Welcome back. This is the muster on a Wednesday afternoon as we catch up now with Bernadette Hunt, Chatham Farmer and Vice President for Southland Federated Farmers. Good afternoon, Bernie. Hey, Andy. Uh, how's everything uh, in Chatham today? Is it a bit brisk? Uh, it's, it's a bit brisk, but the sun's out. So far out, we'd rather have brisk and sunny than some of the rubbish that we had last week. So, yeah, gosh, we need everything to dry out a little bit, don't we? It's crazy the weather at the moment. I mean, we're looking at an overnight low tomorrow night of 12 degrees and a high of 16. Um, and the lawn's still growing. I don't know how, especially for all I've got to mow, but it's incredible. Yeah, well, we haven't. We, haven't, we had a good frost a couple of mornings ago, but, the, you know, the temperatures have, I mean, it's felt cold because it's been wet and windy and crappy, but um, we haven't really got to low temperatures yet. So, yeah, that's good. The grass can keep on growing. It's funny, I was listening to my husband saying to someone yesterday, We've got so much grass, but we actually just have had to get everything off the grass because yeah. it's too blooming wet. So it's a really funny old time of the season for us at the minute. It's a funny old season in more ways than one. And we're going to talk about that today, and that is winter grazing on farm. Now, the winter grazing consents um, was supposed to have been dealt with by now, but this is just an absolute basket case of a situation, Bernie. Give us an update. What's been happening? Yeah, so um, good to be able to talk about this today because we've had quite a few phone calls in the last few days, or the last couple of weeks, really. Um, So people may or may not be aware that the 1st of May was kind of the drop-dead date for the new National Environmental Standards for Freshwater, which require, because of the absence of farm plans, that means that anybody who's winter grazing under certain conditions is supposed to have a resource consent, including if you're winter grazing on slopes of more than 10 degrees, which is just a bit of a joke, really, in Southland. so people will recall we had a big meeting at Stadium Southland last year, I think it was about October or something like that, where um, West Southland Federated Farmers stood up and said that there was a, a bunch of us on the Southland Federated Farmers exec that were saying no to those consents. And we were saying no to those consents because we felt that they were going to add no value. They were a tick box exercise. Um, that wasn't going to add any value to fresh water. And and that was particularly because, and still is, because farmers have made huge steps in um, the management of winter grazing over the last few years. And even according to ES, there's been very few, if any, issues of note regarding winter grazing in the last couple of years. So farmers have already stepped up. They've got ahead of these regulations. And now we're slapped with the need to get a resource consent just to justify uh, our existence, which is... You know, we just don't buy. If they're going to add some value, fine, but they're not. They're simply not. So we, so a whole bunch of us stood up in front of hundreds of people, and those hundreds of people in the stadium stood up with us mostly and said, yeah, we agree. This is a waste of time. We're not going to get consents. And actually, those numbers are playing out. There's um, the latest updates from the government indicated that there was something like 30-something consents had been um, applied for in Southland from the more than 2,000 that were expected to be needed. So the the consent numbers are quite small. Um, I want to be really clear, we're not telling people don't get a consent. This is a decision everybody has to make for themselves. Um, Because absolutely, if if you're doing winter grazing under conditions that are outside the rules, and you don't have a consent, then you're breaking the law. It's as simple as that. And so this is a decision that everybody has to make for themselves. We're not giving people advice. We're not telling them what to do or not to do. We're just saying there's a whole lot of people that are choosing not to. Um, So 
What's happened now, though, in the last couple of weeks, 1st of May has come and gone, and so now this is where the rubber hits the road, and um, Environment Southland have sent out letters to, to a number of people where they've been identified as having winter crop on slope greater than 10 degrees, and so they've received a letter to say, do you realise that when you put animals on that crop, it'll become non-compliant and you need a consent? Um, and some of those people have contacted us going, oh, great, you know, what's the story? Are you guys still saying the same thing? Um, what do you think we should do? Um, and so as a result of that, we had had a meeting with Environment Southland yesterday. Why did Environment Southland send out these letters? Um, so, yeah, so that's a good question, actually. So it's our understanding that in some cases the letters have been sent out because... Uh, environmental activists have been out and got some photos of some winter grazing on or some winter crop on steep slopes and uh, have sent those to Environment Southland and gone, what are you doing about this? And to Environment Southland's defence, they're duty-bound to respond. When they, when they receive a complaint, they have to investigate it and uh, where there's um, a problem, they need to respond. So their response has been send a letter out to let those farmers know that they may be operating outside the rules. Um, in other cases, it's because Environment Southland themselves have seen those um, those locations and have taken it upon themselves to send out those letters. So, look, this is the, the letters in themselves. There's nothing wrong with um, Environment Southland are proactively informing farmers where they know that there's there's a potential problem and letting them know the steps those farmers need to take to be compliant. Um, where the challenge may or may not arise is what happens next. And so this was the discussion we had with Environment Southland yesterday. And look, I want to be really clear, Environment Southland didn't write these rules. These rules have come from the nation, from you know the central government and um, Environment Southland are duty bound to implement legislation. So this isn't Environment Southland's doing, they're kind of piggy in the middle. Uh, but what we said to Environment Southland is that um, what we would like to see is that they um, think really carefully about how they respond when, you know, because how, how they how they respond when they receive those photos or when they see an instance of non-compliance is their choice. There's a whole range of actions they can take for non-compliance. Um, you know, there's a spectrum. And what we're asking them to consider, and it was kind of our final point in the meeting we had with them yesterday, was we really want Environment Southland to consider what they're going to do where there's non-compliance but no adverse effect. Because there's a lot of us out there with winter crop on slope who go to a lot of effort to make sure that that won't cause a negative effect to fresh water. You know, it's no easy job fencing off critical source areas. We were out there in the pouring rain doing that ourselves on the weekend before we put stock on crop, putting up Waratah fences to make sure that the stock would stay out of the critical source areas. Um, you know, buffers to waterways are the same. There's lots of things that people do to make sure there won't be an adverse effect. So I guess, I guess the challenge we pose to Environment Southland is Absolutely, where there's an impact on fresh water, throw the book at people. We all know what we should be doing to prevent those impacts. But where people are doing good management, following good management practices, protecting fresh water, don't throw the book at them just because they haven't got a piece of paper. Um, that's, that's our plea to Environment Southland on this, really. Do you think this year could be a case of having a, a grace period as such because it's a case of the unknown all around and that's for all parties involved? It's an interesting one. Uh, look, if, I, um, if I'm quite cold about it, from Environment Southland's point of view, they don't have the leeway 
to just have a grace period. Um, and it, that was made, you know, spelt out to us yesterday. The, the rules are clear, and to be perfectly honest, they've been clear to us for quite some time as well. I don't think farmers are under any illusion about who does and doesn't need a consent. Um, so, you know, either people are compliant or they're not compliant. That's where it is from Environment Southland's point of view. The grace is how they deal with it. The, um, so, you know, are they issuing a notice informing you of your non-compliance and the steps that you need to take to become compliant, or are they throwing the book at you and taking you to court? And then there's a whole range of things in between. So I would hope that they would exercise grace and judgment uh, in the cases where there might be non-compliance but no impact on freshwater. Um, because, you know, and I know as well, you know, that what was thrown back at us yesterday was it's all very well to have, have things well set up, but what if we have a massive rain event in my experience, looking at winter grazing when there's good critical source area and uh, buffers, um, I actually believe that less sediment enters fresh water from um, winter grazing paddocks in those situations than often off-grass paddocks or, or, or from riverbank erosion, that kind of stuff. Well-managed winter grazing doesn't have to have a negative effect on, the, on fresh water at all. So, yeah, I would hope that Environment Southland will exercise um, some common sense and grace in terms of how they act on non-compliance. Is this a case of it being just another tick box exercise and creating farmer resentment, Bernadette, on top of everything else being landed on farmers' plates at the moment? Yes, I believe so, and it was a very strong message we gave Environment Southland yesterday. Um, look, this ultimately this is really badly implemented regulation from central government, and it's setting up farmers and regional councils to fail. Um, and you know, the, the risk is that how Environment Southland handled this has the potential to undermine trust in them or to build trust in them, um, you know, from farmers that have been going way, way beyond regulation for a long time to improve their practices. So my message to Environment Southland, to MFE, if any of those officials are listening, to environmental activists is have a think about actually what's going to give the better result for freshwater? Uh, is freshwater going to be better off because a bunch of people have paid money to, to tick a bunch of boxes and get a piece of paper? Or is freshwater going to be better off when farmers are genuinely bought in to doing the right thing, to mitigating their risks and protecting freshwater? A piece of paper isn't going to do a thing. But genuine buy-in and goodwill from farmers will. And I think the actions of officials and activists this season will have more of an impact on freshwater in that regard than than anything else. So, you know, it's up to it's up to those guys, I reckon, because yeah, farmer resentment is not going to benefit anybody. Bernadette Hunt, we always appreciate your time on the muster. Thank you, Bernadette Hunt. There, Vice President of Southland Federated Farmers, with some strong words regarding winter grazing, which is a case of watch this space to see how this unfolds. Coming up next, Wednesday afternoon, Howard Clark from Advanced Agriculture.